This is Adam from Unstoppable Acting Studio in Scotland. And this is Jared from Actors Approach in America. And together, we are two guys talking craft. A one-hour podcast where we talk about the craft of acting. Explore the various acting techniques from all the master acting teachers. And help you grow your acting skills. Two guys talking craft. Two guys talking craft. It sounds much better when Adam says it. Yeah, it does. This is Two Guys Talking Craft. And we are live. Welcome, welcome everyone to episode 25 of Two Guys Talking Craft. My name is Adam Coots and I am from Unstoppable Acting Studio way over here in Scotland. And in a moment I'll be joined by Jared Kellner from Actors Approach Craft Technique Toolbox in New Jersey, USA. And it's amazing. We are now well over a year of Two Guys Talking Craft. I think we'll have a little a little party episode. Party, sorry, I went very Scottish there. A little party episode. Thanks, Sarah Louise, for the party uh, emojis there. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to... Um, but we have some deep Uta work to share with you this evening for the remainder of this evening. So we're going to be focusing all on that. Isn't that right, Jared Kelly? Hey now, how are you? Doing very well, my friend. How are you doing? Good, missed you. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've been, uh, you know, uh, absent for uh, a couple of weeks now. We, yeah. I went on my holiday uh, bags down to London, um, <laughs> and um, now now we're back. We're back. Are you on the road just now? Or are you elsewhere? I'm in uh, Atlantic City. Ah, lovely. Very nice. Yeah. Nice place to be. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, shout out to everybody joining us at the moment as well, Jared. We've got Thomas here. We've got Indra. Respect Indra. Um, I want to do a shout out as well to um, a gentleman in Mexico, Jared, who's been checking out the podcasts. He dropped us a message the other day. His name is Matt Basilo, and he's been enjoying uh, the podcast as well. So respect. <laughs> Thanks for joining us from Mexico. Uh, we appreciate it. Wherever you're joining us from, we are in. Eternally grateful, right, Jared? Bienvenidos. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I can't join in with that, I'm afraid. But yeah. I can join in with loads of acting chat. That's what I can join in with. My, my seventh <laughs> Spanish class. Uh, Yo tengo un lapis amarillo y grande. That's, uh, I have a yellow pencil. <laughs> <laughs> but you say it so passionately that, you, I mean, for a man that doesn't know any a word of Spanish, you, you could have been saying anything. Um, but, hey, we've been on a huge journey unpacking this respect for acting. It's, we've been learning out loud as we go. And then if you haven't checked out these previous episodes, oh, we've dived into a whole heap of Uta Haggard's philosophies or exercises, uh, sharing our opinions. If you're listening to the podcast right now, you're missing, Jared, uh, playing around with the book like it's a spaceship, I think. Is that what you're going for there? Sure. I'm just yeah. having Uta Hagen's respect. Yeah, we're um, we're nearly done. You know, depending upon how much we babble, we may or may not get done with the book. But I think we might get done today. It's possible, right? We're going to I'm really excited. In that, these are some really meaty things. So it's yeah. certainly, in my opinion, these these first three chapters we're going to talk about are like we always say, right? There's never one way of doing things as an actor. Right. You know, and if an acting coach ever tells you that, I'd be, you know, a little bit suspicious of them. But I, I feel like these three things we're going to talk about, if you ignore them, 
yes. then you are making your job so much harder as an actor. You can ignore them, but but I feel like if you do, do it at your peril, in in my opinion. I think uh, shout out Bobby Iceman, who's just joined as well. Hey. Uh, I'm good friend, Bobby. Um, but what, what's your opinion on that, Jared, for this, this first three coming up? Yeah, I mean, these, these are foundation. Um, you're talking about objective obstacles and actions. Uh, three mega important topics to explore. Um, but the, the other ones, there, there's um, the rehearsal, practical problems, communication style, epilogue. You know, not as much meat on the bone, but um, it's still some really important stuff to, uh, to go explore. So let's, uh, let's jump in. Stephen, um, starting with objectives. Now, I, I think a lot of actors will no one be aware of, of objectives. They, they'll sort of be aware that they should be maybe sort of trying to do something within a scene. Um, but I, I don't know how faithful people are to actually doing the work to um, decide on the objectives with the level of depth that they could, I, I, I feel. I've had many students that have said in the past that they hate the script analysis part of the process, right? They, they just want to get up on stage and do the work, you know, give them the script, let them go improv, let them go explore. And they don't like to do the, you know, the, the pen and paper type uh, investigation in, into the script to be able to then come out with what the objectives, the, the obstacles and the actions are. And when they step away from that, uh, that feeling of, I just, I don't want to do, you know, quote unquote homework, uh, when they allow themselves to jump in and really do the due diligence to investigate the script as it, it's the uh, the source data and extract from that what it is that they're really doing. What are they fighting for? Why do they want what they want? What happens if they don't get what they want? What's in their way of them getting what they want? How are they going to go about doing it? And if they hit a wall, what are some other tactics that they could take in order to try to accomplish that? And when they when they stop and really through this process of what I want at a big level, um, at a scene level, at a moment level, and all the things that are in my way of accomplishing that. And it's what I need, what I'm fighting for, not what I have to do. Um, once, they, once they understand the value of that kind of, a, of an analysis process, uh, the quality of their work uh, catapults. It's just, it's so better, so much more meaningful. 100%. It's a life raft. You know, I feel without it, you're splashing around. Like, you can maybe try and get by, you know? Like, um, and there's many times when I've been coaching actors and I, and I ask them about the objective, they maybe say, I haven't really thought about it yet, or I, I, I don't know, or I yeah. think it might be this. And a lot of the time, that is the key to unlocking their performance, the fact that they just haven't made a, a decision about it. Done, done the work, you know, like the, the, done the preparation to come to a decision about that objective. And I, I think you can get by with very general wishy-washy acting without without the objective, without the obstacle, without the, the yeah. action. But if you want to be great, if you want to be, you know, delivering a quality of acting that's, that's going to really, you know, open people's eyes, you, you can't sleep on this stuff, I think. It gives you specificity. And yeah. Without really knowing what it is that you're fighting for, what your what your end goal is, and that's life, right? We don't just meander through life without a purpose. Maybe some people do, right? Maybe those are the lucky ones that are just enjoying their life on the beach. Uh, 
but in general, we don't just meander around life without a purpose, without a focus, and it should mirror that on stage. And so, look, it's okay if actors um, come to you, come to me, come to a class and say, I don't know. Yeah. That's okay. That's a, that's a fine place to start so that we could go explore, have the dialogue, have the cover it, make choices and go attempt to work, you know, to, to work towards that objective. The, the, the issue that I take is when actors don't want to even explore, they just want to go and do, they want to feel something, they want to let their charisma or their energy or their adrenaline take over. Um, it, that's not repeatable and dependable. That's not a craft process. That's not something that you can rely on multiple shows per week for an extended run, right? That's yeah. that's a flash in the pan, and and maybe you know you hit somewhere on the on the target, but it's it's without specificity and purpose. So, yeah, I, I'm okay with people coming and saying, "I don't know, help me." Um, yeah. And, yeah. Let's let's go explore. Yeah. No. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I, I think it's just being that open to understanding the importance of it, you know. And, and, and let's preach the word of Uta, because we, we haven't uh, quite uh, shared any of her words yet this evening. She says, no, no human being, just, just what you were saying just now, really, Jared, you know, no human being is without having wants and drives. And yeah. it's something we're, we're constantly striving for. And I, and I was thinking about that, you know, even in, in the context of this podcast, right, that you and I, we probably, you know, because we're good friends and stuff, have very similar sort of objectives through it. I mean, we... Uh, <laughs> We want to um, definitely add as much value to people as we possibly can. Um, we want to be sort of learning and the process and journey of learning together and stuff. Like we could, we could start picking apart a, a wider objective for for this podcast alone, right? Um, and and I think even those people that you said, you know, maybe go through life seemingly on the outside with no purpose. The way the brain works, that there's yeah. always going to be something, right? Like otherwise, you're you're dead. I think if you don't have some kind of uh, purpose, big or small. And, and so I, I mentioned it before, you know, you look at what Uta Hagen is talking about in terms of objectives. You have your overall objective. This is, you know, at, at a high level, this is what the, the, the goal of the character is throughout the entire journey of the script, whether it's a play or, a, you know, a TV show or, or a film. So that's your mm -hmm. overall objective. And then you've got the objective of the scene. And the way I look at, the, and, and then the moment, like what is, it, what, is, what is it that you want right in the moment? And, and I look at, Everything that you do should get you one step closer to the ultimate overall objective. And so if your moment objective doesn't get you closer to the scene objective, which then does get closer to the overall objective, you're probably not on the right path. And mm. that's, for me, that's what rehearsal process is all about, is helping the actor understand what those overall scene and moment objectives are so that they can figure out what are the things that are in their way because it is always more interesting for an audience to watch a character fight for something that they desperately need and overcome those obstacles because the actor is going to be fighting harder when things are blocking them, things are in their way, than just sitting back and just watching, you know, the, the, uh, the character accomplish everything that they want. You know, mm -hmm. we, we, love, we do. We love to watch people struggle. We love to watch people overcome that struggle and then champion yeah. Yeah, no, we would we don't want to play it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You and I Shout to literally just wiped our, our, our nose at the exact same time. That was Whoa, that's yeah. freaky, freaky wow. stuff in there. Um <laughs> hey, um shout out to our friend from, from India here. I, I'm probably gonna absolute 
butcher the, your name and I apologise, but um, Moksha Dodwani, I, I think. Um, thank you so much. We are very grateful. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, and hey, Bobby, thanks very much for, for the kind words and good luck when you Bobby, direct yeah. the directors. Yeah, Bobby, your point here is really important, right? So Bobby just commented, you know, about uh, giving him you know, things to think about when, when directing actors. Absolutely, right? Part of a director's job is to work with the actor ultimately to help them bring to life the director's vision. And if the actor is not coming to the table with the quality of work that brings your vision to life in a truthful and authentic and meaningful way, then by you helping them discover the meaningful objectives and obstacles that are in their way that impels them in the direction that you're hoping for, that you're looking for to bring your vision to life, it's in your best interest to give that a lot of thought before going into the actual shooting of a scene to say, hey, I think that um, your objective is something in this realm. And then work with the actor, you know, plant some seeds and then let them go explore. Amazing, amazing. And hey, great comments, great questions in the chat. Please keep them coming as we go. Uh, anything that comes up to do with Uta Hagen, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and, and good turnout tonight, Jan, because I forgot to say, yeah. we're in competition now in the UK. We're in competition with this program called Love Island. Um, it's, it's kicking off. I don't know if you know of Love Island. Sure. Bunch of really good looking people try and get together with each other. I mean, but respect to all of you who's came to Guest Talking Craft instead. Loyalist. Because we're, we're two good looking people talking about acting. What, what, what could be better? We, right? we, we, are, we are very handsome. We, we have not uh, passed our prime yet. Exactly, exactly that. Yes, my friend, 100%. Um, yeah. I, just going back to the broader, yeah, the broader objective thing, I, I thought it was really nice how she put it. Like, in order to establish what that broader objective might be, she says you might want to ask the questions of, like, what do I want in relationship to the world, yes. uh, to my work, to the people in my life? Like, so to start to sort of filter through those different things to sort of, try to get on the radar what the right objective is for, for your character. And I think those are really nice starting points, isn't it, to ask those uh, questions. And, and it's as you say, you know, it's, it's not that pressure of having to come up with the answer right away. It very much is the, the work through rehearsal. It's very much, you know, the preparation that you do behind the scenes and stuff that you will slowly filter it out, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I, it's, it's a difficult one. I always feel sometimes actors can be quite intellectual about it and they can be quite wordy about the thing that they, they want and then they try and rattle it off in a big huge paragraph or something and and that's fine but it's very difficult to play that you know it's very difficult to align with that just before you go into the scene when you're sort of like I want this that this because of this and because of that like you you ultimately I think what's been helpful to me you know you, you want to boil that down to something that's playable a, a punchy sentence you know like um I want da -da -da -da, a, a couple of words or something you know like um that you can instantly just attach yourself to and and, and don't intellectualize it too much that, that's something that Uta Hagen has preached throughout the book right uh, we don't want to get caught in our heads with this sort of thing yeah you, you've said a couple of important things there um and to piggyback on it, um, what you come up with for your objective should impel you, propel you into action. If it all just stays intellectual and in your head, 
then there's really no use for it. It might be good to know, but it's not actually practical to, to use. So your objectives should propel you into action. And the way that you phrase them uh, has a big impact on it. So she wrote, instead of, I need to be alone, convert that into, I, I need to fight for my freedom. I need to fight to escape. Right, so as a, it, not passive, but active. And never I have to, but I want to, or I need to, or I must. If you have to do something, right? Uh, I have to clean my room. No, you know, I want to clean my room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, have yeah. to, have to it, it puts you into a negative state. So. Absolutely. And I just saying, for, you know, for the objectives, wants, needs, desires, just what you said. And I quite like what you said about that, the have tos in terms of like, well, the have tos, they're your given circumstances. You know, like there are things, if, if you have to do anything, like those are things you can't ignore that are just around you at the, at the time sort of thing. I, I like that way of thinking about it, you know, like um, that these passive things that, you, you know, you, you, were, you were mentioning is just part of the given circumstances of the scene sort of thing. Agreed. Um, there was a little anecdote about um, Stanislavski and personalization of the actions, I mean the objectives, but um, why, why don't we just go on to um, obstacles? Sure, sure thing. No, absolutely. Um, I, I just real quick, sorry, before we do, just, just this distinction between conscious and subconscious objectives as well, like, like just to touch on that. Um, and like it's, it's this thing she, she mentions, I think, in this chapter as well, that we have this obligation as actors to to know the person we're playing more than they know themselves. You know, like um, through life, we're maybe aware of what we do consciously in the day-to-day, -day, what we intend to do, but we maybe don't spend a lot of time swimming around the depths of our of our soul, what's inside of us, you know, what maybe truly drives us, you know? Like, and I think that's a, that's a really interesting distinction between those two things as well, like from from, my understanding this sort of subconscious thing are things that the characters maybe not fully aware of themselves, but it will be a factor in driving them towards a, a goal. Like, like, I don't know, if we go back to our podcast example, like maybe a conscious objective right now on the exterior for, for, for me might be I want to add value into the world about my knowledge of acting or something, right? But maybe subconsciously, maybe deep down, and I'm making this up, but maybe I... I was bullied from a young age and I, I'm using this as a platform to, to prove my worth in the world or something, you know, like maybe that's something that's subconscious. The character might not be fully aware of like that. that that's what I'm getting from this subconscious conscious sort of, uh, distinction here, Jared. Is that fair enough or along, along the right lines? Now, if you, you as the actor, you, you need to know more than the character in order to make decisions to bring the character to life. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Bobby wrote down what you know wants versus needs. Um, I'm I'm clumping them together. Not that they're different, but I want to, I need to, versus I have to, right? The uh, the the wants and the needs are the things that are going to impel you, propel you into action. That the have to or the are uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, in in the in the perfect world, yeah, a character wants something, they get it. Play ends, boom! It's all it's all done and dusted. But we all know life's not that simple, Jared. Right? Yeah, we're in. We're, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, he, uh, you know, 
there, there's no Rosalind at the beginning. He uh, he immediately falls in love with Juliet. Uh, the families are friends. Uh, there's no conflict. All the cousins are all uh, very cordial to each other, and uh, they live happily ever after. Uh, it's it's a it's a 12 second play that nobody would ever want to watch. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it's just it's it's real life as well, right? Going back to you know using the vehicle of our podcast, we want to come across you know very articulate in our communication, but then we have to wipe our nose. Perhaps we've got some technological difficulties going on, like who knows, you know? Tech stuff all the time. Um, yeah, so those, those are obstacles to, to clearly communicating for sure. Uh, and then look, yeah. life in the way, right? So, you know, you, you had a birthday, you, you know, you, you and your wife went away for a bit. We have to have lives. So we push pause on an episode, right? So we have this, you know, this, pro this progression going on. So, right, you know, life gets in the way sometimes too. So, yeah. And I was thinking about this, you know, using your example of real life scenario, this this guy who drifts through life with seemingly no purpose, right? Like he, he doesn't have a huge amount of objectives or whatever. But I think even for th that person, right, they're still facing obstacles and that like... Where am I getting up? You know, I don't have a job. I have no place to live. You know, yeah, yeah. food, companionship, love. Yeah. That struggle is inevitable. Like if, if you want to sit all day watching Netflix, like you know, the obstacle is all the things that you've missed out on in, in the world that you could have experienced. You know, it's just it's just this constant push and pull. And, like, I don't think that obstacles are as, as tricky to come across and, and find as the um, objective, in, in my personal opinion, because I think there's a lot more avenues and angles to explore with, with the different obstacles. And like, you can have great fun exploring like a, a lot of the different obstacles that are going on as well. And she illustrates quite a few in this chapter, right? Like uh, the different yeah, ones. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, so sorry, man. <laughs> That's okay. um, she sort of, yeah, lists the different ones that you might want to explore, like uh, your past, um, like time, um, the objects that are around you, the circumstances that you're given, the relationships that you have, like, and thinking specifically about each of those things, like, might bring up a number of different obstacles. Yeah, yeah so I wrote down, um, the, um, I need to set the table for a very important meeting. Okay, I want to do it. I have an objective of, you know, just fill in the blank, you know, what, why I'm going to be setting up this table for this meeting. And so uh, some obstacles could pop out based upon the character. My character is a perfectionist. Okay, so now everything needs to be incredibly precise. Those are obstacles for me accomplishing it quite simply. My past, uh, I'm, I'm uh, royalty and I've never set the table before. I've only um, sat down at a table that has uh, been set for me. So I've never actually done it. Uh, the time crunch, the guest that's coming for this important meeting will be here in five minutes. So I don't have the ability and the time to actually accomplish the task in a manner in which I would, I would like. And then the objects themselves, the plates are brittle, the plates are dirty, the silverware is bent and lost, right? So everything that's involved in the, uh, in the activity is potentially another obstacle that I need to deal with and overcome in order to get to my objective of having a successful meeting. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you could start sweating profusely, right? Like uh, that becomes this, this uh, you know, obstacle as well. Like you really want to be looking smart and all of a sudden you've got sweat patches coming through and stuff. It's like uh, you're wrestling with everything. And, and like you, you touched on this at the start of today. Like th- that to me is is that when you're watching truly magical acting is, is a sort of push and pull thing that's going on. You know, you can see that character wants something, but there's something in the way from it, from them getting it. And you're just drawn to it, right? Like you, when those things are, are melded together in such a, a beautiful way and the actor sort of connects with both those things, it's just so lovely to watch because, um, you, you know, you feel you've got this connection with them for as an audience member you don't quite know where it's going going next. Like, I, I think it's just the most lovely thing to, to watch. And, um, you know, hard hard to get, you know, like hard to, to pinpoint these, these two things, but it is a lovely thing. I, I don't want to jump past um, completing the obstacles, but part of what you're talking about uh, hooks into the actions, right? The actual doing of it. And there, mm-hmm. there's, the, the, you know, the famous saying of uh, insanity is, doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. Hmm. And so uh, a really skilled actor is going to maintain their focus on their objective. They'll deal with the obstacles that are in their way of uh, reaching that objective. But it's the tactics, it's the actions, it's how I go about getting what I want. And so if I have an obstacle and I'm trying to get to my objective, and I keep hitting the wall, and all I do is continue to go straight, and I don't try to go around or over or through somehow or underneath. If I'm not finding different paths around the obstacle to get to my objective, that's when it gets boring because we, we in the audience, we sit back and we go, great, okay, yeah. They're never gonna get what they want, right? They're, they're just banging their head against the wall. So the real entertaining yeah actor is the one that finds all the different actions that uh, help them overcome, get past um, the, the various obstacles in order to get closer to that objective. Yeah. Yeah. And, and hopefully, you know, we kicked off this episode saying, you know, like these are ones that if, if you ignore them, you're, you're making your job harder as an actor, but hopefully you're starting to see the importance of having these things cemented because it just gives you so much to, play with as an actor. Once you've done that preparation work, once you've done all that stuff underneath the surface, once you've established these sort of pillars, and we'll, we'll talk about action quite soon, um, then it's always your anchor point, right? It's always your sort of life raft to, to play around with. You know, you've always got the context to sort of play around in. There's no point in exploring the text, really, like purposefully exploring the text. If you don't know who am I, where am I, what do I want, what's in my way, how am I going to go about getting it? Like all the the stuff that's connected to the objectives, the obstacles, and the actions. If the actor comes uh, unprepared and they don't know what it is and they want to, you know, they want to work, there's no point to it. Because really what what they're then is a result. I want to be this character. I want to show that I could feel this thing and I want to be a type. And I, I, I don't have an interest in exploring that. Um, I do yeah. have, um, okay. So uh, Dana just uh, joined. So, Hey, Dana, uh, fantastic actress. She, she's one of the ones that does, uh, her, she really does her homework. She gives a lot of thought 
to what's going on in the scene, the relationships, the environment, the circumstances, and always comes to the coaching sessions prepared with, this is what I want and why I want it. These are the things that I think are in my way. Let's go explore it. And this is what I'm, I'm thinking about trying to do in order to overcome those obstacles. So actors that take the time to do the homework um, really are the ones that ultimately succeed and then produce the work that we want to watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sure. Dana, Dana, right? Um, Charity, thank you very much. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for joining me. Um, and, and, and she argues later on, and I, I don't know how much depth we're going to, going to cover that chapter later on, but like when she talks about additions, and she quite often gets asked about additions, she's like, you know, say, you know, um, Uta or Miss Hagen or however she's referred to, um, how do, you know, like, I understand you want me to do all this work and stuff. You want me to do it for additions as well? Like, I don't have the time to prep and stuff. She says, okay. even going in with an idea of an objective is going to make you stand out more in an addition situation in terms of you have made a concrete choice and you're adding a level of believability to that character. You're not thinking that the panel might want me to look a certain way. I better act to type in a certain way. You're yeah. saying, this is what I can bring. This is a choice that I've made about the character, what, what they want. And like, that, it might not be the right thing. It might not be what they're looking for, but at least you, you're in the ballpark of making a choice, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, should we jump into actions a little bit? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised how much we're racing through it tonight, Jared. We're doing very well here, yeah. Doing great. Um, I, uh, but yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Like, I, I think the only thing to just sort of put a line through with, with the obstacles is, uh, you know, I, I really like that she pinpoints, like, several different obstacles that you can you can think through. We, we mentioned it very briefly early on. You, you know, if you're feeling stuck with finding an obstacle, um, she mentioned, you know, you might want to think about the obstacle, um, the objects around you. If you've pushed for time, if you've only got five minutes to do something, um, the circumstances that are around you, the different relationships, all of those can be, you know, just guiding lights into finding these these obstacles. Um, if, you, if you don't have a series of obstacles that you're fighting you're fighting against, you're fighting through, you, you, and you have just a clear path to reach your objective, it's actually kind of boring. So yeah. obstacles, it's, you know, it's like the evil, right? The obstacles make the objective. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just sprung at me right now. She, she ends this beautifully as well, this chapter, in speaking about even if your character is sleeping, you know, even if they have to sleep, like you should still have some kind of obstacle, you know, like uh, going on, like maybe they're having a nightmare, a dream, like whatever it might be, they might have a, a lumpy mattress, like you, you know, you, you can explore any sort of obstacle. And it, it reminds me, sorry, go on. Yeah, it was me last night. It was so hot in the room. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I went down, slept on the floor because it was a cold floor. Sure. No, it is. It's, it's reality. And, and like we've mentioned the... This uh, character a few times, I think, the two guys talking craft, the, the spear carrier, right? Even even the third spear carrier from the left that has no lines whatsoever in the play should have some kind of obstacle, right? Like something's going on under, under the story. They, they have an objective. They have an obstacle. Yeah. Maybe, you know, if they don't look agreeable to the king or the emperor, their head's going to be chopped off and they have to make sure that they look as agreeable as possible. Like there's something going on all the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, or yeah. you become the 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 punchline to the joke of that spe you know that spear carrier who has one line 
you know, Harku goes there and, uh, you know, the, the cannon goes off and instead of saying his line, he goes, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so page 184, chapter 27, the action. I, um, this, I struggled with this one because she said something that offended me because mm -hmm. after uh, when I was 15, 16 years old and really first starting to learn acting, uh, I was first exposed to the Meisner technique. And like you know, I uh, studied Meisner in New York and, and, and LA. And so it's part of my core. And she said something um, that I feel was a jab at Meisner. And I'm like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, don't do that. And I got really protective. So yeah. we, we know... Acting is doing. Acting is not reacting. She's so funny. I, I, I know it is down, and I was going to ask you. Yeah, so, she, so acting is doing. I agree with that. She says acting is not uh, reacting as so many old pros insist. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like back off. Like, you, you could be right, but he could be right, too. Like, we, they could both be right. <laughs> So, yeah. yes, acting is doing, but a reaction is a form of a doing. And I don't, li I don't like it. I don't like the categorization. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think it was a pretty loaded uh, comment. I, I do think it, it was wow. none. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, 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 you know, I don't know. Like we've, we've briefly went into the history about... You know, the, the, how these guys, you know, even though at the heart they, they want the same thing, they went off in different directions, or all, all, all of that. Like, it might, it might just be a jibe, right? I was trying to get my head around where, where that might come from, because, as you know, I'm also from sort of very much a Meisner background as well. I, I don't know, perhaps. I, mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, that, that's here with us has an opinion about it too. So the, the, the point is, Sandy Meisner talks about acting is doing and acting is reacting. Don't do anything unless the other person makes you do it. What you do doesn't depend on you. It depends upon what the other fellow is doing to you. And in the book, um, Uta Hagen says acting is doing, it's not reacting. And so Look, I, I took issue with that. I, I think it's not mutually exclusive. And so if anybody has some thoughts on can, well, one, why, why would she have an opinion that um, acting is not reacting? And what are your thoughts on it? And so I, I don't yeah. know. I, I was trying to justify like what, why she might say it because she's been speaking so much sense and, uh, you know, in, in the book, th things that just really sort of wrong with me and all of that. And it's perhaps, is, is it, does it come from this place of, where acting was more gesture, acting was more sort of look at me, you know, and my reaction to a situation coming from a, a place that's more passive, more mm. ego. Like I, I was trying to find a way that, to, to justify it, but I, 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 for me, reacting is still definitely it's an active thing and it's doing. And yeah, um, it, yeah I, I think if you, yeah, don't think acting is reacting, and yeah, it, it's going to get into a tricky territory, right? I, I think so. I, I, I don't like absolutes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've said that before. That, like, if, if you're closing the door to a theory because of a belief system, there's going to be a time and place where that's going to sabotage your ability to do your work. And so mm. 
reacting in the moment might be the best and only choice. And it mm. is. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Funny how uh, yeah, these little little things can prompt uh, so yeah. much. But I, like, but we can definitely bang bang her drum off like the the importance of doing in acting, right? It's, it's something that we've spoken about over our previous sort of twenty five episodes of Two Guys Talking Craft, and it sort of explored it ourselves, uh, you know, a little bit in, in a, a previous uh, Uta Hagen episode. I think it was one of the object exercises ones we did where we became the odd couple and, and we were sort of peeling our apple and yeah. then this the argument just just through the act of doing alone after doing a bit of character prep after and very little on my, my behalf on that one so much is revealed of the character you know like like that we no longer as actors have to worry about are people getting what i'm doing do people understand what's going on here like we don't need to give over to our ego in, in those situations we can just engage with the act of doing, trust that all the work that we've done is there, and uh, all just like as if by magic, right? Like just things start to trickle out and appear, the, the, you know, from underneath, from our subconscious somewhere of the character. Yeah, right. That's the result of the good work. That's yeah. not appear and trickle out unless you've done the due diligence, unless you've done the work. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent. Like, um, yeah, if you if you go in with the doing alone, like. Yeah, it, it's the flash in the pan stuff that you you mentioned, isn't it? Like it's um, if you haven't done the work, it might pay off, it might not. But you, you're playing an energy. You're playing, uh, you know. She goes on to, and we'll talk about this in a moment. Attitudes, moods, and stuff like that. Like that's the territory that you're in. Whereas if like you're you're doing something to to make a change in someone, you know, like that's that's where it comes from, really, isn't it? Like to make a change in something or someone. Yes. Like um, when you when you're doing it, like um, and she mentions, and I, I don't know. I was going to ask your opinion on this. So she mentions whenever she sees in her script, she's been asked to say something angrily. You know, like I don't know, Dave angrily, Dave mockingly, or whatever it might say. She just takes that black pen, and scores right through it. That's quite prevalent in a lot of scripts like that you you see that so what what do you do jared as, a, as an actor when you come across um a, a stage direction like that that the, the playwright or the, the screenwriters put in what, what do you do with that information personally are you asking me as a an actor or a, a sure. teacher because the, the answer is different depending upon what i guess let, let's go the actor uh, right yeah let's go that yeah okay so uh i read it and I am an audience member first when I read it, which is something that we talked about. Mm. That um, adverb or adjective, it helps me get a sense of what is going on in the play, not necessarily how I would ultimately perform it, but it, um, it informs me on what this is, uh, what the script is all about, what the relationship is, uh, what's going on. So it gives me a better sense of reading it, right? Plays are not necessarily meant to just be read. They're meant to be performed and shown and, and shared and experienced. Um, so it, it helps me get an understanding of what one production at one moment in time thought was going on on the, on the, um, the stage. Um, and then I have intelligent conversations with the director about what their intentions are for this, along with my ideas of what this particular moment is. And if 
it it's in alignment with what's there in the script okay i'll leave it as a reminder if it's in complete conflict to what you know our version of the story that we're trying to tell i'll cross it off um but mm -hmm. i'll self open to um to use it if it's going to be beneficial or get rid of it if it's going to hinder me in any way mm -hmm. um, yeah so i don't categorically just delete everything um sometimes you know the, the director will say to do that and so yes i will i'll whatever the director says i'm going to do um but i, I don't have a, a, a standard uh, process every single time sure no absolutely no, like I, I think um for, for me i yeah i i think um I, i've never thought about it that way before how you've put it there of like it allows me to get an idea of the writer's intentions all that stuff like, it, it definitely does like i i haven't thought about that part I always find it a very difficult thing to try and attain if I've been told to do something angrily. You know, like like if I'm, I've set my objective, I'm, I'm playing in, in the scene and stuff like that, and next minute I've got this thing like that's just sticking out at me, like, you know, just flashing in the next line. It says angrily, do something, that, you know, angrily. And, like, I, I, I always find it very problematic. So I, I guess what I prefer to do is, if ever that comes up, change that adjective to a verb. To, to something that's doing and right. instead of thinking it as like a reaction which can become general wishy-washy just oh, falls into the territory of bad acting like I, i'm trying to direct a change in that other person so rather than if it said angrily yeah um to sculpt to yeah. um annoy to mock you know like is there something along those lines like that I, I find that much more useful than playing the the emotion and like for from uta's opinion here yeah. she's saying we, we can never play an attitude like that, that's uh, not something that we can we can do you know okay. um yeah. you you made a really important point so i, I don't want to jump past that so it, if the adverb or the adjective qualifying the attitude or the emotionality that is intended for that particular line gets you locked up in your head or doesn't naturally impel in you what the desired outcome is you, you it's a great suggestion convert that adverb or that adjective into something tangible an action right to eviscerate to scold to crush to something that's going to point you in the direction of the desired outcome. And that way you're working through the action as opposed to trying to leap over and be the result. Yeah. Mm. I, I find it, it gets you out of your head as well. You know, like, like I, I feel like it can come in quite heady territory when you're starting to think of trying to illustrate or play, play an emotion. And I, I think it's the same thing that, you know, like in tears, you know, you get this, you get this direction that, you know, you've got to be in tears at, at some point and like, we know that well, some actors can just do it the drop of a hat or whatever, you know, great if you can, you know, but for me, it's always much more, more effective personally if, if I'm just turning that into something like I'm, I'm trying to do something to the other person and that maybe out of the frustration of, I don't know, like tears will come or, or, or whatever, you know, well, I'm not trying to attain the emotion basically. Yeah, so you, you used exactly the word I was going to use. And, and so I'm, I'm leaping over to um, an Eric Morris quote of emotions are not something that an actor works for. An emotion is something that an actor attains because they have an experience. And it's through the action, it's through the craft tools that we actually have those experiences that the emotions are the result of. Yeah, so don't yeah. work for it.
experience it, attain it by working through a different process, by working the, the craft, by working the action. Sure. And, and, and yeah, very much you, you, you were on a good those, those words about attaining an emotion. I, I think that's the territory that Uta Hagen's getting at here, right? When she talks about like, you can't play, play an attitude or you, or you can try, but yeah. you're just going to get wishy-washy general sort of stuff going on. Yeah. Like angrily stamping your foot, shouting, you shouting out and stuff. And yeah, n nobody's going to connect with it in the same way. Yeah. You know, it's, it just becomes representational acting poor, yeah. poor community yeah. acting. Yeah, community theater is poor, but poor, poor theater that would appear more likely in community as opposed to professional. Sure. Should we come no, to absolutely. the rehearsal, chapter twenty-eight? I think so. I, I do think so. Yeah, um, I think we're we're ready to rumble. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, going on that. Oh, oh, that that, that was the only other thing. Sorry, I I did, I did want to mention this. And I, and I think you've used this, used this analogy in the past as well, like saying you're a sports fan and stuff. You know, she says, like, if you, if you drop the ball with, with doing, you know, like like with trying to make a change in that other person or, or thing, right? All of a sudden you come off the ball, you slip back into your ego of, did I do that well? Was that, was that good? Did people see what I did there or whatever? You completely drop the ball. And she says, well, you know, if you did that in a sport, right? If you did it in fencing, for instance, like that, that's you, you've been stabbed or whatever, or you've been in tennis, like that, that's you, you just haven't had the ball back something. And she's kind of saying it's, it's the same thing in acting, right? If you, if you are dropping this intention of, of doing something when, when you're in there and you drop back into your head a little bit or you start sort of losing your focus, then it's very hard to bring yourself back from, from there, you know? Like, I, I think if you ever find yourself at that point, because it, it does happen, realign with your objectives, realign with what you're doing and the change you're trying to make. Um, exactly. but I, 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 interesting analogy, right? The sports thing. And I, I, I think you, you mentioned that before, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, gee, just my, my heart goes out to the England national team. What a... Uh, what 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 a Euro tournament and uh, well for our Italian friends congratulations um, and for Absolutely. support uh, there is always next year. There is man um, as a Scottish person. Oh yeah, congratulations well, England. Um, sorry and well well done Italy. That's, that's all I'm saying. I'm saying exactly the same thing that you said. Yeah, that's all I'm saying there. But with more right? pain. But with more pain. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the, the, uh, chapter chapter 28 on page 191 I I wrote down a bunch of notes but the, the key takeaways for me were uh, just be a, a human being don't be a jerk and don't direct you know respect, mm. respect the other actor do your job as an actor let the director direct just do your job and that the the director is the equivalent peer of the musical conductor, and you would never walk over to the conductor and take his baton and orchestrate the orchestra, right? You wouldn't conduct the. Mm -hmm. Don't do the director's job, right? If you yeah. have an issue of some kind that you're struggling with, have a private conversation with the director. But your job is an actor. Your job is not to direct the other actors, and just and. Be being that those are like my key takeaways from this chapter no i yeah i'm, I'm the same i mean it, yeah I, I liked i loved how she started the chapter i think that's really nice uh 
the rehearsal, and I'm going to butcher some French and German right here. Rehearsal in the French is la la repetition or whatever. That's I mean that's my attempt, um, which obviously maybe gives this sort of uh, hankering towards it's a repetitive process, which she says is really not, but she says that she quite likes the German for it, which is deep probe. I think, which she says is more about probing and testing and trying and exploring and having an adventure, you know. And um, for me, like, that, I love the rehearsal process. Like, that's, you know, I, I love the preparation. I love the rehearsal. Almost my, you know, I don't not like it, but, you know, it, it wouldn't be my first one I go for. Is the, is the actual performance. Like, I love all that, the exploring, the finding out, the discovering and stuff. And I think that's what rehearsals are, are all about. And, like, yeah, I think she went really heavy really heavy in this chapter the whole respect thing be polite i mean in many in many words she didn't say this i'm putting words new to hagen's mouth here but don't don't be a dick you know like um <laughs> and that's it right you're part of an orchestra and you've got your part to play in creating this this beautiful piece yeah. of music on this case of the world you know five she says don't be a dick i think it's right there <laughs> <laughs> man let's not do Five episodes of Uta Hagen, six episodes, and people's takeaway is Uta Hagen swore in her. She didn't. She didn't say that. Yeah. Come on, but uh, but don't be is is a big lesson. I think it's not good. But I I think kind of you know it's a bit of a theme, isn't it? Like when we're doing our minds and our stuff as well. Like a lot of these you know major acting practitioners, they talk about ego quite a lot, and there's no real room or space for it right in a in a professional capacity you've got to leave your ego at the door because it's not going to help you or aid you in, in any way possible like you, you you need to be there for your other actors you need to be there to serve the text to serve the director and like um it's not about you at the end of the day you know you're part of a team i think is yeah just look at it like any other job you know like it, it you go to work you you work at a you know a restaurant you work at a company you work at a school whatever wherever you work uh if if you're a jerk if you treat people poorly if you make it all about yourself you're not gonna last right people are not going mm. to you're ultimately gonna get fired right just mm. being the person yeah I, I think this is a difficult one as well which she mentions it about the social aspect of the, you know, like you're yeah. together for a, a very short space of time in a very intense circumstance. And I, I personally find that I can't, I think it's just the type of person I am, you know, it takes me a while to build relationships and stuff, but I kind of tend to stay away from a lot of this, the social side. And I've seen it so many times in casts and that where so-and-so slept with somebody and like all of a sudden there's rifts and it just becomes this horrible environment to work in. And she's almost like, if you can't handle doing the preparation, doing the work, and the socializing at the same time, like just try and remove yourself from the socializing. And uh, Hugh Jackman um, mentioned that. I mean, he's you know a nice, nice guy, or he comes across as a nice guy in these interviews and stuff. And he's like, I have my party when I'm on the stage. I don't, I don't party when I'm when I'm out. And that's that's just a rule he's lived by throughout throughout his career. And I, I think people people maybe feel pressured into going into these social circumstances, but I think if it's going to affect the work that you do, and you can see there being negative side effects, like. It's fine, like just it's tricky to say. Nah, I'm I'm not going to go to the bar tonight or whatever. But sometimes it is the the best choice in those scenarios. And it was just something that she mentioned in that in that chapter yeah. as well. I thought we've never spoke about that before, you know, like the social aspect of it's. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's so much fun. You develop re these really strong 
bonds, these strong relationships in a really short amount of time, these like lifelong bonds. And it's hard, you know, to not be social and to just stay focused. Uh, it, it's definitely hard. And so then you, you, you as the ensemble, you need to rely on the director and the stage manager to do their job to keep everybody um, focused. Yes, it, it is. Mm. Who doesn't want to, you know, chum around with some friends and just, you know, sort of goof off and have a good time? Let, you know, let off some steam. I, I totally get it. But if that overtakes the um, the progress that you make at the rehearsal, uh, which ultimately yeah. the, the goal of the rehearsal is to make some progress you can put on the show, uh, you're doing a detriment to the, uh, you know, to the entire ensemble. Yeah, and and actors can sometimes be the worst for bitching and moaning and complaining and stuff as well. Once once it gets a toxic environment, it becomes like it becomes very hard to be creative and, and make things work. But like you know, most of the time, people are lovely, kind, respectful, polite, professional because th those are the people who work and work often, right? It's the, you know people that, that don't have that going on. They maybe get a few jobs here and there, but word gets round pretty quickly. I'd say about those things, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. um, I think I'm I'm done on the old uh, rehearsal part. Have you got anything else to add on rehearsal, Jared? Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. We could we could jump to uh, chapter twenty nine, page two hundred. Practical problems. Sure, she she rattles off a lot of different things. And I guess to just give context to this chapter, she mentions the, these are things that actors often ask her about. She yeah. just wants to contextualize some of these questions and, and these punchy sort of. Headings, you know, and like, um, isn't it? I feel like she covers a lot of the stuff in the book anyway, but these feel these feel like you know the little bite-sized chunks for people that don't want to dive into the book in the um in a lot of detail, right? In some of these bits that she covers. Yeah, that's actually a good point, right? It's a good chapter to have some like sound bites that were um, mentioned earlier in the book. Some important topics. Um, nerves are normal. Allow them to heighten your focus, not control you. Uh, be as prepared in your craft as humanly possible. Um, somebody said, do you think that I have talent? And she says, never mind your talent. Do you have tenacity? To quote her mother, talent is which many people have. What you make of it determines whether or not you will be an artist. And I, I mm. love it. Yeah, talent, many you have tenacity. What are you going to do with it? Are you are you do at least one thing every day to advance your career, advance your craft, advance your skills, or are you going to take your talent and just be lazy and just use it? You know, only when you have only when you book a job. You know, yeah, yeah. And I, I I love that as well. And, and isn't it just the case in all walks of life as well? You know, like sports, whatever. And yeah, sure. uh, you know, I, I I find you know maybe maybe. I'm using quote marks here, the, more, the most successful people, right? Perhaps they didn't start as the most talented, but they put in the work day to day, you know, like um, they, they showed up day to day and like, you know, yeah. it's, they, they don't sing and dance about it. Like, like I, I feel maybe the, the people that just rely on their talent alone are quite quick to jump to talking about how yeah. great they were or who they worked with or who they did this with. But the people that just quietly get on with their stuff day after day after day, that compounds so much over time, I'd say, you know, like and talent will only take you so, so far. I'm trying to remember who, I wish I remember who had posted it the other day on Instagram, but there was a post about uh, Will Smith 
He says he never thought of, a, of himself as being the most talented, um, but he is the hardest worker that he knows, right? So when, you know, when you're sleeping, he's up working. You know, when you're working, he's working harder. When you're done working, he's still working. Um, no. I think Mark Wahlberg is another one who is just tenacious. I think his ritual is like he wakes up, I don't know, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, yeah. works out for a few hours before. I'm like, everybody's asleep. And he's already put in, you know, uh, a solid number of hours working on his body, working on his mind, working on his craft. Yeah, T tenacity. Yeah, sure. I mean, and th this is a theme throughout our episodes, right? Like, I, I think we always say there's no shortcuts to get in there. Like, like put in the work. Like, like that is the answer. That's the thing that everybody's looking for. Right? Like, in this chapter, she mentions about, like, people always ask her, how do I get the job? And, like, her answer, in as many words, is, like, you prepare. You know, you, you market yourself. You try your best to put yourself out there. But then when the opportunity arises, you've done the work enough that you, you're ready to show up and you're, you're ready to do it and, and give the best version of you. You know, and and that to me is the big thing, right? If you if you can say you've went through, done your thing, given the best that you can, yeah, then you can be proud of yourself, right? Like if you're phoning it in and going in half with the half baked effort, that's the sort of things you're going to regret, you know. Like I, th I think further down the line, like, but if you put in the work, like, good on you, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, that does seem to be a focus quite a bit. I don't know about you, but I do get asked that quite a lot. Like, how do I get a job? How do I get on Netflix, getting a Marvel film or whatever? And like, I think the thing is play the long game and put put in the work. If those opportunities arise, because you have no right to get them, like they may or may not arise for you, and you might be able to put yourself in the position of getting there, you'll be as prepared as you possibly can be, you know, to to get them, like. Yeah. And you, you auditioned for your career. Uh, Tim Phillips, you know, wonderful teacher, uh, author, book, uh, DVD. I, Tim Phillips is a, a guy to, uh, to research and, uh, and train with uh, out in LA. And then he, he goes around, I think, Atlanta, New York, um, and other places. But he talks about you auditioned for your career, not for the job. This casting director that's going to be, you know, casting this particular role, you may not be the right fit. You might not be the, the puzzle piece that they're looking for for that particular role. But you may be the perfect one for one next week or one next month. So always be prepared um, and audition for the career, not just for that one job. Yeah, sure. And that's far from fantastic. I've heard that so many times, you know, so many times, like years after. Like when, you know, like acting friends have, you know, thought that they've forgotten all about me. They get this call out of the blue. Like it, it really is a thing, like totally. So I'll, I'll share a quick story about that for, for me. Um, I, early on, I had developed a, uh, a reputation of being able to memorize my lines quickly. And there were uh, like back to back within a couple of months of each other, um, actors that were in plays that either quit or got injured or got sick and dropped out and they needed a replacement like really fast. And if you develop a, a reputation of being, uh, you know, a, a human being that is professional, that works hard, um, that is reliable and dependable, you're going to get called back. And so, yeah, I, there was this one director who contacted me twice to fill roles uh, that were abandoned um, for, for a variety of reasons. And so I was, you know, I was cast in a couple of plays just because I was prepared and I was professional. Um, a perfect opportunity to give a shout out to your memorization book, which is available on Amazon for memorizing lines, right? It's, it's a crack. 
It's a cracker. Check it out, everyone. There we go. Getting good at the old promo stuff. Twenty-five episodes in. Um, uh, yeah, I I, I kind of picked up a, a mishmash of stuff here. I'll be honest in the, in this in this All chapter. Right. Like it, was, it was it was just a sort of yeah. smorgasbord of different different things. Like really, <laughs> um, yeah. They they were sound bites, you know, good stuff, but but sound bites. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that, that's my main takeaway: is like do the work, yeah, do do the work. Like that that tends to be what what everything boils down to. For these all these questions, was in the realm of like, how can I take a shortcut to get to what I want? Like do do the work and see what happens. You know, that's the communication chapter thirty. Yeah. Do you Just dive I, in? One thing in here that I want to ask you about, but do, before I go, do you have something that's top of your list for communication? And not not in particular top of my list. I, mean, I just got uh, bits. Um, you know, she's saying like uh, within the show, we can't lose ourselves completely in the in the in the play and the character or whatever, like because that falls in the realm of like psychodrama. It falls in the realm of like being quite peculiar behaviour or whatever. And she's saying it quite tongue in cheek, you know, that you you go off and you still live in the character. You still need to have an awareness of the audience is there, but like, and in, in my opinion, like, like you can't be taken in like what they're thinking, what they're feeling. It, she mentions it as a sixth sense, right? That that you just need to have that awareness of. Maybe when they laugh, maybe when you know they they have a little reaction to something or whatever. Because if you plow on, like they don't hear the dialogue or you know whatever, then there is a part of you that's not really doing your your job as an actor because they still need to hear what you're what you're saying, right? So it's just you can never fully shut yourself off that there, there's an audience there, um, in, in the act of communicating. But that was one little tidbit I got from this one. Yeah, that's the one that I wanted to bring up. Um, there's a fine line between immersing ourselves in our work needs and remembering that we are preparing and that was really well written. Mm. Immersing ourselves in our work needs and remembering that we're preparing and offering. Um, look, if you ever cross over and legit forget that you're an actor on a stage, you're not really that person. Uh, if that happens to you, something has gone. You have, you, you have no longer um, become an, an actor presenting a piece for the entertainment of the audience. Something has uh, come over you and you've lost sense of your actual job. We've all mm. been wrapped up in the moments where we're at in a heightened emotional state and we really are you know believing that we're in this um, in these circumstances but if you truly lose grasp of the reality you need to stop and, and go seek some professional help because mm -hmm. you're going to ultimately put yourself and your castmates uh, at risk uh, mm. what like what happens if you have a you know a knife even though it's a prop knife um, and your character is about to, you know, commit murder or stab or, uh, you know, something. If you truly lose sight of what's going on, uh, you could do some serious damage. And so we always have to have that. Eric Morris calls it the 11th level of consciousness. She's talking about a sixth sense. We can never forget that we are just an actor on stage doing a role, right? We can mm. do that 
and be fully present, immerse ourselves in the work, listen and respond, feel, act, react. We could do all of that and also be confident that we're acting. Yeah. And so uh, just I, I caution untrained actors um, to just be careful that the, the, the end goal is not to lose yourself so much that you forget that you're actually doing a job. Yeah. I don't know how truthful, uh, great point, great point. Like, I, I think perhaps it got blown up in the media and stuff, but, but you know, like Heath Ledger's um, demise as well, you know, like was heavily linked with, you know, that he'd lost himself in the character. How much of it's true, we'll never know. Like nobody will know, know for sure, right? But, you know, certainly his behaviours and stuff did have a lot of the, the traits of that of that character. You know, even you hear Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, who, who goes heavy duty on I'm not going to get out of the role. And I heard when he was doing Abraham Lincoln and he was being Lincoln during lunchtime, like a lot of the, a lot of the crew just thought, I'm going to use the word again for the second time and I don't know what's come over me. A lot of the crew just thought he was a bit of a dick. Like, you know, like, just, just have your lunch, Daniel. Come on. Like, <laughs> we're shooting a bit, but it's what, it's what works for the actor at the end of the day, that stuff. And I'm sure... Daniel Day-Lewis deep down still knows he's, he's playing a character, all that stuff. He's uh, one of the greatest actors of you know of all time. Like so, uh, who am I to criticise that at all? Um, but yeah, I think it's an important point. It really is. Very make that distinction, especially in the world that we're in, where mental health is so prevalent. Um, just you know, my um, public service announcement is just is to just say. If you ever do experience that, where you truly do lose yourself, uh, push pause and talk to somebody because it, it should not happen. No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a great point. Look after yourselves, people. Um, yeah. you know, one of the other bits I thought so noted down, and I, I wanted to ask you this question actually. So, like she, she mentions about part of it is being prepared to share a vulnerability in a way that we wouldn't usually in normal life. That Maybe it's something that's like behind closed doors or, or whatever, but you need to be open to, in a very public setting, public scenario with the audience being there, opening yourself up and being vulnerable. And, you know, the, we both went through Meisner training, all that stuff like that. That, that is a huge part of that as well, isn't it? Like opening yourself up to to be vulnerable. So I, I just wanted to meander and, and maybe ask: do, do you remember the first time you you felt like truly vulnerable when you were you were performing or or on stage or anything like that? Is that a memory that you have? Yeah, um, I was rehearsing all my sons. I was relying on. Um, my Meisner technique and it was not bringing to life what the director was looking for. It was the big conflict scene between uh, father and son and the director um, side coached um, an effective memory, you know, like a Strasberg um, method acting process, which I, at the time I was closed to because it was method, it wasn't Meisner, so it was wrong, right? You know, me being stupid and, and foolish as a young actor. And under the, the guidance and safety of that director walking me through uh, a memory, a personal memory of my father passing away, I became incredibly exposed, incredibly vulnerable and raw 
and it was the path into the emotional life that was required of the scene that I could not get to by just living truthfully moment to moment, listening and responding using my Meisner mm -hmm. tool. My imagination and my belief in the given circumstances of the script were just not activating what was required of me. Mm -hmm. and yeah, so that was the first time in my you know younger days where I remember being very vulnerable and feeling what it was like to um, still feel safe, be, yeah. be vulnerable, but, but feel safe and put all of that into the work. Uh, so mm. what, what about you? I think that's, I, do you know what? I, I can't remember the specific moment, of it, but it was definitely within the realm of doing loads of mising and exercises and stuff that, that I sort of felt that. And, and I think you make a very good distinction in that, like, it feels very exposing and almost like you're naked, right? Right, but emotionally or whatever. But it's safe, you know. Like it's a safe place, a safe environment to do it. And and once you get to that state, I think it's so liberating and so freeing because you kind of feel like it, you can share your truth, you know, like, like you can share part of your truth. If you're open to being vulnerable, yeah. then being truthful and and being in the moment on, you know, as an actor, just kind of comes so much easier to you you know if you if you go to that depths and um yeah I, I think that's it you've just got to be willing to you know open up and lay whatever needs to be on the line in it really but also understand as you've been saying you know that it is a safe place you you, you don't want to ever go into a territory that's going to set you off and as you say like becomes uh you know a hugely negative effect and impact on your personal life and, and all that because we're not psychologists or anything in, in that realm but like um but yeah like I, I think if you can explore something that feels very truthful that leaves you feeling quite vulnerable and you understand that oh, i'm still here i'm still, <laughs> still alive so like, it's an exciting place to get to as, as an actor right yeah uh and so sort of tethering back to losing yourself in the moment, you know, the, the, the topic that we were talking about before, I, I actively remember um, I, what I was experiencing in that moment. I, it, was, it was Jared talking to my father. It was the character Chris talking to the, the character uh, Joe, the, the dad. It was Jared, the actor, talking to the actor. It was me also having an imaginary sort of experience with an old uh, Meisner teacher um, that was like the, the dogma of that was preventing me. So it was like this, I don't know, like multi-layered vulnerable experience that all together, the amalgam of it, the result was uh, a freedom, you know, and it was one of the two times that I've experienced multiple techniques working at the same time, sort of morphing in and out of each other while being exposed, living truthfully in the moment, but always knowing that, hey, I'm like, this is amazing. I'm, you know, I'm just an actor having fun and, and all this stuff is, is going on. Mm -hmm. it a and it, I think, you know, it, it harked back to, you know, way way back when we started doing Uta Hag and things it's just that knowledge of yourself as well isn't it like it's it's, it's sort of knowing your, yourself your self-identity and stuff that, that really helps being able to get to those those places you know if you're constantly reaching trying to be somebody else trying to you know attain emotions all, all, all that stuff like a lot of it's just having a concrete knowledge of, of you isn't it and I, I always remember <laughs> we seem to be name dropping quite a lot of actors tonight I don't know what's going on but Sarian McKellen said 
you know, because he was in the closet for like so many years. He says the moment that he he came out, he felt his acting all of a sudden. He became a lot more open, a lot more vulnerable because for years he'd locked away this this secret, like he didn't want to share with anybody, sort of thing. Like, um, I I think that's that's a thing, right? Just having such a an explicit knowledge of yourself and like, uh, you know, what you know triggers you emotionally and a, a number of different things is such a strength, you know, as an actor. I want to get on stage and act so bad right now. I can't even tell you. Like, <laughs> I just, I'm to go rehearse something. <laughs> yeah, go out in the streets in Atlantic City. Go on, get 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 going. <laughs> Blend right in with all of the the wackiness that goes on in the boardwalk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um, move, uh, chapter thirty. We got two more chapters: style and then epilogue. So thirty-one style. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I've got bits in style. I felt like Uta. You've had an absolute knockout. You know, book here. It's, it's it's been amazing. I've loved it. And then the style chapter just seemed a bit like meh. Like, but hey, it is what it is. I I agree with all the points she makes in the in the style chapter. I was just w- waiting for a big like payoff finish off for the the final chapter. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a little a little tasting, you know. She yeah, she's she's given so much. She's given so much. So we can't yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the takeaway for me is um, style is uh, realistic, surrealistic, romantic, satirical, farcical. Those are labels that are put on afterwards in order to categorize and sell. It's not something that you should work towards playing. Um, But I don't know if I necessarily agree that it's not both. So again, I took issue with it. So I, I, I agree and understand that it's a label for categorization so that we can put it, you know, put the book on this side or put the book on that side. However, if I know that I am in a romantic comedy, I, that style should elicit in me a type of awareness and process that a certain approach to the role and relationship would, it would differ if I was in a, a classical piece or if I was in a, a murder mystery. So I, I think that although they are labels for categorization, I don't think that it's intelligent for an actor to not be aware of them and at least consider the genre and the style that you're in in order to inform how you approach the role in the relationships. So I don't know. I, I understood it, but I have a little issue with it. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, she's, I think what she's trying to put the finger on is our tendency as human beings to put labels on things. Once a label's been put on something, there's certain stereotypes, certain things that we maybe bring to it you know, like assumptions, maybe. And, and I think what, what she's trying to argue is, like, you know, be open to all of the possibilities. If it's, if it's in the, I don't know, romance genre, be open to the fact that, like, you know, y- you can explore different avenues as you, you go into the, the romance genre. Don't just think I am playing romance, I, I guess. But I do agree with you in that there needs to be a respect for where you are as well you know so so shakespeare for instance you, you know like i'm a big fan of like if you don't give those oh, words what shakespeare i i don't know i haven't heard of him new playwright he's up and coming jared you want to you want to check him out um but if you don't give him the respect like the the words the text like if you don't approach it in a certain manner, like like for Shakespeare, in my opinion, it's you, you look at the text before even like doing any sort of prep work on the acting at all. Like 
then it just becomes a harder job. So yeah, I think there's certain styles that just lend itself to approaching it in a certain way. But then also, you know, she, she says like, if you're playing high drama, you know, a really high, gritty, dramatic piece, and you've just had this big argument, how many times does an argument end up, you end up rolling on the floor and laughter afterwards because she realised you've been silly yeah. about something or whatever. Yeah. And I get that. I get, I get what she's making the point of there. You know, it's just, don't make it two-dimensional. Like, right. don't get stuck in a, yeah. Because it's labeled with romantic or, or, or drama, or you know, that shouldn't confine you and be the only the only style, the only thing that you use to bring the character, the relationship and the circumstances to life. But I think it can inform your choices and it can inform the approach to the, uh, to the script. Um, yeah. So even though it is a categorization label that's put on afterwards, um, I, I think uh, completely closing, and maybe I'm misunderstanding and misinterpreting it, but, you know, completely ignoring that, um, is just as bad to me, in my opinion, as looking at it and saying, oh, I'm in a rom-com, I can only act this way. No, mm. I can act dark, you know, deep dark inside that, you know, rom-com, but I just need to be mm. aware. Yeah. Anyway. No, uh, yeah, I, you know, I agree. Yeah, like, and I just thought it was, you know, love, lovely points, but I was, just, I was just waiting for a big, like, boom, like, it's it's been such a brilliant ride, such a brilliant ride. and then she finishes off with epilogue, right? She just uh, sums 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 a few bits up uh, at the end there. Um, I mean, yeah. Again, I'm just kind of two. Uh, so I have two bullets on this one. Uh, to accomplish a technique which will allow for a genuine existence on stage can take a lifetime to accomplish. Yeah, mm. like this is not. Yeah. This is not the fast path to getting on the Disney Channel or Netflix, right? We, you and I, as you know, as preaching here is, this is a journey, right? Yeah. And it's a life journey. We're always learning. We're, we, we should always be learning and growing and evolving and working on our skills. Should always be. Mm. Mm. And within that as well, you know, to give her the, 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 the final words in uh, respect to her, that she managed to finish off the book with the words respect for acting. Always like when somebody does that. Um, but she, she kind of says, you know, that maybe we get some criticism as, as actors, like we're maybe not seen as the, the most skilled or whatever, or even once we get successful, or quote-unquote successful at what we do, we get looked at like an animal in a cage, you know, this paparazzi come along to try and take photos of us, all that stuff, like, um, you know. And, and I think she just says, you know, keep down this path, lifelong learner, working hard, all that stuff. And um, yeah, just sort of, um, we can have respect for ourselves if we're doing that and, and respect for the, the craft of, of acting sort of thing, which is, was lovely, a lovely way that she finished it off on it. Uh, I don't know where I read it, um, but the actors used to be buried in the same section of the cemetery as um, people to, that, that were believed to have been witches. Like that's how... Um, categorized actors were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, no, I, you look at it historically, totally. Like, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, yeah, ne ne never has it been, a, I guess, a highly sought after um, profession as such. Eh? I wrote down the, the sentences that she ended the book with. Um, so, to bring an audience the revelation of the failings and aspirations 
the dreams and desires, the negative and the positive aspects of human beings. This is what we should set as our goal as committed theater artists. Then we will be respected and have respect for ourselves and respect for acting. Like that was a beautiful way to end the book, I thought. And it's, it's just that, and it's like, don't, don't come into this looking for fame, looking for um, admiration, looking to be adored. Like, if you're going in for any of those reasons, like, go and do something else. Go and go, go on Love Island, which is on TV right now. You know? um, but if you want to be committed to the path of acting, you know, it's just been on this, on this journey, which is always, always what we, what we sort of talk about here on, on Two Guys Talking Craft. And um, I love it. I just, yeah, I love her um, vision and principles and values on, on, the, on the craft of acting. And it's, um, you come away feeling enthralled, you come away feeling inspired. Um, and, and just knowing, you know, like that, even if you try to do some, one thing, you know, a day with, with your acting, like, you know, one little little thing, you know, improve by 1% each day. That That's great. Like, that, that's a fantastic thing, you know, like, and if you do that consistently over time and and just appreciate that that's, it's part of you, the parts that it's part of what makes you, you, and it's always going to be there, you know, like, and just play the long game in it. And like, just, just love the journey. I'm going to take you outside just so you can see the ocean before we end. Hold on. Yeah. Take you outside. We need some uh, inspiring hands in my music right here. Look at that, people. Look at that. That's the beautiful. That's the uh, the, in, the inlet from the Atlantic. It's a little, a little, yeah, a little inlet off the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and I stunning. And then wait, can you see the casinos? The casinos are. Well, there's, there's the water tower. I mean, not not as inspiring, not as inspiring. And <laughs> but hey, it's it's real life, right? It's real life. It's it's an obstacle that gets in the way of that natural beauty. Out there. But hey, guys, look out to the sea. Be inspired. Follow your your dreams and, and journeys and actor. Indra's loving the beach. Indra loves the beach, Jared. Come, on, Indra. Come come be my guest. Come to America. We'll go to the beach. <laughs> hey, yes, uh, so Adam, thank you uh, yet again and an amazing session with you. I'm glad we we, we did. We, we really took the time to dive in deep on this book. You know, yeah. we really did. We we didn't rush through it at all. So yeah, this no, was good. I've, I've learned so much. You know, if I I've been able to articulate so many things I've, I've thought and um, yeah, not, not had the words for before. And it's quite fitting. It's so fitting that you're out there on that balcony because that is literally like the first episode of Two Guys Talking Craft we did uh, over a year ago now. You were out there on that balcony. I was on my mom's balcony, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Was it your mom's? Yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. It's a different balcony. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking it was the same one. Um, but you were at a balcony in Atlantic City, so it's quite a fitting. Yeah. And, and next episode, Jared, we're, we're going to have a Two Guys Talking Craft celebration, right? We're, that's the plans. And we'll... Um, yeah, we'll fill people in with what we're doing in that episode yeah. a bit later on. Yeah? Fill everybody, uh, everybody in. But um, as always, uh, love catching up with you. Great conversation. And uh, everybody that does not yet have the book, 
Respect for Acting by Uta Hagen should absolutely get it and read it and put it in their library. One million percent. All right, Jared. Well, we're, we're going to be back. The plan is next week, right? Hopefully. Yeah. We'll be back live next week. We, since um, we missed the week before, we're going to try and come back a week early. So for all you two guys, Talking Craft fans, that like to join us on the live uh, join us then and thank you so much if you joined us on the live today we hugely appreciate it if you're listening on the podcast we also very much appreciate it thank you so much everyone and we'll see you again very soon bye everybody stay okay. safe stay safe take care